Well, we'll take a minute and, number one, we're going to thank God because he's good. He's been good. He is good. Everything about us is good. And even when the situations ain't good, God's still good. And, and then we're going to ask him. We're going we're gonna to lift up some, some seizures and some heart problems and some families that are struggling with the loss of a loved one because they're, they're not, we ain't mentioned anybody in here in any worse shape than Michelle was in. Um, and we've seen what God can do and is continuing to do. So um, we'll just tell him thank you and ask him to keep on answering prayers. Amen. God, thank you so much. Lord, for being so incredibly good to us, God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. Thank you, God, for long-suffering and patience. And God, I don't know how you continue to put up with us, God. I thank you, Father, that you do. Thank you for hearing and answering prayers, God. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for the touch, God. Thank you for the sick that you've healed, Lord, for the marriages that you've mended, God, the broken that you've fixed. But Father, we come to you needy people, and you said that we could come into the throne room of grace, that we might obtain mercy, God. You said, and Lord, that it's a great gift that we have, that we can come into your holy presence and pray on behalf of others, God. So I pray on this day, would you touch these many that are sick, God? Would you go with the doctors as they prepare for surgeries tomorrow, God? And Lord, I pray, Father, your hand would be amongst each of these prayer requests, Father. I pray, Lord, for broken homes, broken marriages, broken lives, God. I pray you'd intervene, Father. I pray you'd meet with us here tonight, Lord, as we look into your word. I pray you'd teach each one of us something, Father. We'd learn something about you that we might learn to serve you better. And, God, we pray most of all above anything that you would be pleased with everything that we do. We love you, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you guys want to turn in your Bibles, Acts chapter 19, we left off a couple of weeks ago over in, in the youth sanctuary. We were at Acts chapter 18 and, and finished up. Um, we, we left off talking about how God always has a people. We talked about how the Apostle Paul had, had been run out of the town of Ephesus and they, they, they'd run him out. But then before Paul left, he, he had had an opportunity to preach in the synagogue. And, and he had some converts there, and you had Priscilla and Aquila, and you had some, some people there that, that he had planted some seeds. If y'all remember a couple weeks ago, that's kind of where we left off, about seeds had been planted. And then you have Aquila and Priscilla, they've been there, they've been tending the seed. And then how God sent Apollos in, and he came in and, and watered the seed, but we looked at the harvest belongs to God. Our, our job is to continue to spread the seed, to put it out, to fertilize, to do whatever God gives us to do. But, but at the end of the chapter, uh, the church at Ephesus sends Apollos. If you remember, we, we, they sent him to the church at Corinth, and we talked about how they sent him with a letter. And the letters back in that day were important because they established somebody as a Christian when they went into a new region. And, you know, it said, hey, this is somebody you can trust. Now, in chapter 19, the apostle Paul goes back again to Ephesus, chapter 19, verse 1. It came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, key word there, disciples, that means he's dealing with Christians, that means he's dealing with men that are saved. They wouldn't be called disciples if they weren't Christians. I read a few, de um, not devotions, but commentaries, if you will. I've read several different things about these 12 men. You know, a lot of them say that these 12 men wouldn't have been Christians because of what we're about to see with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's true. If that was true, then the Apollos wasn't, a, Apollos wasn't a Christian either when he got there. I think we'll see some of that. But, you know, commentaries are what they are. Commentaries are a man's opinion. 
And they're just like me. We all got opinions. Everybody's got opinion. Most of them like armpit. The majority of them stink, but everybody's got a couple of them, right? So, so when you read commentaries, it's important that you take it for what it's worth. Um, you can agree with some, some you won't. But it says that he finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said unto them, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized, uh, baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. So what we see there is that Apostle Paul travels. It says he went the upper coast, the high regions. He's making his way back. So by going that way, he would have revisited the churches in the upper coast. This isn't the more well-traveled down in the lowlands, but, but it did go by churches like Derbe, Iconium, Lystra, places that he had been in established churches. So he worked his way back. It doesn't tell us, but you know that he went by and visited the churches at least somewhat and fellowship with the brethren on his way back. And he gets here, he meets 12 men that were in the same state as Apollos. Remember when Apollos came in, he didn't know about the Holy Spirit. He came in teaching, but you remember that, that he said that he just knew of the baptism of John. Now, in verse number 2, these men say they, they've never heard of the Holy Ghost. So, so Paul asked them a question, and this question is taken completely out of context. A lot of time, by a lot of people, especially a, what you would say charismatics. Y'all know the deal. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. It is what it is. I've heard a lot. I've seen a lot. And I've told you, you ain't going to scare me much of nothing. You ain't, gonna, I ain't nothing I ain't seen unless you bring a snake in here. And if you bring a snake in here, you better get out of the way because the security has strict orders to shoot at the snake. So if you get in the way, it'll be there. So I, I've seen everything but snakes in the Pentecostal church. But I also told you that there's a lot of things that, that I know I look back cause me to flee somewhat, if you will. But, but a lot of the things that, that they teach here in, in dealing with this is taken out of context. The question itself, the way that it's written, is a little bit misleading. But because if they are indeed Christians on this side of Calvary and they have accepted Jesus Christ, then they have received the Holy Ghost. If you're on this side of Pentecost and you have been saved, then you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. So it's not that they weren't filled. It's that they didn't know because they hadn't been taught. Matthew chapter 3 at the baptism of Jesus. John, y'all know the deal. He's there at the Jordan River. He's baptized in verse number 4. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair, of leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. They went out to him at Jerusalem and all Judea and the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, Sadducees come to this baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. Think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now the, also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. That ought to... Ought to Lord, Lord, give me a sermon right there. That's a great one to preach in this day of casual Christianity. In this day of take it and leave it church. It, 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 well, I'll be there if nothing else comes along. Or if it ain't, uh, you know, opening day of deer season. Or if the fish ain't biting. Or if it ain't warm and, and, and the golf course has got an open tea time. In this day of casual Christianity, it'd be a great, great one to preach. That every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit 
is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. He will thoroughly purge his floor to gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So the, the teaching of, of many, and again, I just, I'm putting it along the charismatic because I know they have a lot of it, but they completely miss what, what Paul is talking about. The, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the best way to say it. They take the baptism of the Holy Spirit using these words and they put it as something different from the gift of salvation. They, they put the filling of the Holy Spirit and salvation as, as two different things. Romans chapter 8, Paul said in verse number 8, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The baptism of the Spirit, the, the gift of the Spirit are, are one. The, the baptism puts me in Christ, but it is the gift that puts Christ in me. See, one makes us a member of the church, a member of the mystical body of Christ. But the other makes this body that I have, the body that we live in, we are the temple of God. Anybody say amen? The, the Bible says that we are the temple uh, of the living God. Jesus told us about a comforter. John chapter 14, verse 16, I will pray to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and he shall be in you. We are in the New Testament. We are after the crucifixion. We're after the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on the other side of when the price was paid. Jesus Christ paid the price in full. Somebody say thank you. Jesus, Jesus came to pay the price. We're, we're on the other side of that. Death, hell, and the grave has been defeated. We, we are after the Holy Spirit came. The, the comforter was sent at the day of Pentecost, after the seven weeks of seven, the, the seven feast weeks, and on the 50th day, the number 50 is always the Holy Spirit. On the 50th day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. See, when we accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, at that moment, we were filled with the Holy Ghost. When, when you and I trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, at that moment, we became the temple of the living God. We did not become perfect. Somebody say amen. We, we did not become a person who doesn't have flaws and make mistakes. And, and we can give them all the pet names that we want to. But you call them by their first name, it's sin. You, you, can, you can call them li little lies or exaggerations of the truth or little faults or bad thoughts. You can call them what you want. But, but it's sin. So we didn't become perfect. That is a lifelong process to try to be like Christ. It, it is our goal. We, we may not be what we're going to be. But praise God, we're not what we were.
We ought to be better than what we were when we got saved. And each day we ought to be reading the Word of God, praying and spending the time of the Holy Spirit, striving to do our very best to be more like Christ. That, that is a process. It, it, it will take a while. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is immediate. Somebody say amen to that. Amen just means I agree. That's all. So, so our life being changed is going to take a little bit. We, we don't have to go back and ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to go back and ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we got saved, we got saved. We got washed in the blood. Our name got written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We got a seal upon our forehead. We're going to heaven when we die because of what Christ did. But we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is the third person of the Godhead Trinity. You do not get a person in increments. You either get the person or you don't get the person. So we either got the Holy Spirit or you didn't get the Holy Spirit. But when we got saved, we got filled with the Holy Spirit. If we, if we are saved, if you truly are saved, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then we have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we do still have to make a choice. Every single day, we have to make a choice. Will I follow the lead of the Holy Spirit? And, and when we start straying off, the Holy Spirit begins... That's that little, it's not, it's not a good conscience. There's nothing good about us but God. That, but, but that Holy Spirit there starts letting us know that that's wrong. We make decisions whether or not to listen to the Holy Spirit. We make decisions whether or not to, to follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't change the fact that the children of God, that the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. The reason that many people today are, are just like Apollos was. Apollos was a Christian. The Bible talks about how he came in and, and he's a disciple and he's teaching, but yet he didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. We, we see these 12 men right here, they've just not been taught. See, see there, there's a lot of that in the world today. A lot of us not been taught. There's a lot of the teaching of the Holy Spirit is not taught. If you want to do some studying and just learn some stuff that you're not going to hear a lot from pulpits these days, study on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Study on the gift of the Holy Spirit. You, you don't hear a lot of them being taught about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit in the church. Then a lot of what you do hear is being taught wrong. See, many people, they, they've heard of the Holy Spirit. They've heard mention of the Holy Ghost. But a lot of people sitting in churches today as Christians, they don't understand who he is. And they don't understand what he does. He is the seal of our salvation. He, he is the earnest of our inheritance. The, these men right here, they said they've never heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. See, what, what makes this popular among that, that charismatic teaching that's incorrect. They teach that after you've been saved, you have to pray for which gifts you want to receive. When you, you get gifts of the Spirit. And one of those is you can pray for, for the gift of the Spirit, for the gift of the filling of the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry that's not scriptural, and, and that's not what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage. Paul is directing their attention to Jesus Christ. Paul is always pointing to Christ. You know who else is always pointing to Christ? The Holy Spirit. In everything the Holy Spirit does, he's always pointing to Christ. What does the Holy Spirit do to the lost person? He draws them that they might come to accept who? Christ. When the Holy Spirit moves in, what does he encourage us to do? Read the book that we might be like who? Christ. That we might be followers of Christ. That we might be an example of 
Christ, that people might see Christ living in us. So the Holy Spirit, everything points to Jesus Christ. So, so the, these men, they're just, they're just like Apollos. They, if they trusted Jesus Christ, I believe that they had because they called them disciples. I don't believe that, that, that Luke would have written here in the Acts of the Apostles. I don't think he would have called them disciples if they weren't disciples. And if they are disciples, then they are Christians. They truly believe what they've heard. They, they just don't know yet about the Holy Spirit. They don't understand exactly. I mean, listen, I, for me, I understood a lot about salvation when I finally got saved. Being brought up in church. And being taught about the things of God and being taught about salvation. See, the biggest problem that I had, the thing that bothered me was the fact that I could be saved on Sunday and go to hell on Monday. I, I, I tried for a lot of times through high school. I really did. I tried to live it right. I can't tell you how many times I went to that old Church of God altar and prayed on Sunday. And I really wanted to get it right. But by Monday, I done messed it up again. And by the time I got back to church, I needed to be saved again. Listen, I finally decided I can't do it. And you know what? I can't. If I could have, Jesus Christ came for nothing. If I could do it, if I could do it, if I could live perfect, if I could live right, if I could live clean, then why did Jesus Christ come? So I finally convinced myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I just, I just decided you can have it all. And I became one of those, just like so many are right now. Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, tell it to somebody else. I ain't going back to church. I became that guy. And there's a lot of them out there now. But you know what I'm proof of? I'm proof of the long-suffering, long-extending, reaching arm of God. I'm proof that a mom don't never stop praying and God don't ever stop listening. I'm proof that God can reach down into the pits of hell and grab a worthless, no-account sinner and pull them out. But that doesn't mean that everything taught is always right. That's why I just thought we were talking about it earlier. It's important that you read the scriptures yourself. The Holy Spirit encourages you to read the book. The Holy Spirit encourages you to read the Word of God so that He might explain to you what He Himself wrote. So it's important that we take it and, and that, that we study it. So, so one of the things that they do in their incorrect teaching is they teach that, that you have to pray to receive the Holy Spirit. And what they're saying is that the Apostle Paul is evident of that. That these men are now having to pray to receive the Holy Spirit after they've been saved. That, that, that's not what happened. The Spirit is what died in the garden, right? God told Adam and Eve on the way, well, told Adam and Adam told Eve, on the day that you, the forbidden fruit, on the day that you shall eat of it, you shall surely what? Die. What did the devil say? Oh, you won't die. If God said you're going to die, you're going to die. But, but what we know is they didn't die in the flesh, but what they did is they died in the spirit. And that's exactly what God meant. And it was the spirit that died. That's why the spirit must be born again. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said you must be born again. So, so it is the spirit that must be reborn. And that, that's what happens at salvation. Now, here, here was part of a little bit of their problem. I mean, at the time when, when they got saved, Christianity's brand new. The, the, the church is brand new. That they have the Old Testament. They have all the tradition. But, but the church is new. And, and even Apollos, who we know is, is a great Man of God used mightily by God and even almost used on a parallel platform with the Apostle Paul. In occasions, even Paul says, hey, some say I'm of Apollos and suddenly I'm of Paul. No, we're of Christ. So you find this, this man of God that, that comes on the scene and God's using him greatly. But even he didn't know about the Holy Spirit. 
and we saw, and we saw where, where they, they pulled him off to the side and, and they began to, to teach him about it. And they, they taught him about the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, about the filling of the Holy Spirit. See, they had been taught about the baptism of John. But, but the baptism of John, that, that was before Calvary. That they, had, they had not yet been taught about the baptism of Jesus Christ that John himself were told about. The baptism of John pointed forward to the one who was coming. The baptism of the Holy Spirit points back to the one that came. We saw there that John's baptism was repentance. He kept talking about repentance. I am repentant, therefore I received this baptism by water. It was a personal profession of an expectation that Christ was coming. That, that, that was before, it wasn't before Christ at this moment, although many didn't know he was the Christ yet. Christ is now on the scene, but you don't have the death, burial, and resurrection yet. You have Christ there that you can believe in, but you still don't have the act of accepting Christ yet because he's not yet been to Calvary, he's not yet been to the tomb, and he's not yet been resurrected, he's not yet gone to the Father. So, so he's pointing ahead. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not linked to repentance, it's linked to, to regeneration. We, we have been renewed. Re regenerated. We are new creatures in Christ. The spirit has been rebirthed. Reborn in us. We are back to the image of what, we, of what God meant us to be. And that the spirit lives in us. So that we are now one with the father because of the son. Everybody still with me on a Wednesday night? I mean, there's just a handful of us here, but I, I want to make sure you're on the same page because it's just some really, <laughs> some really good stuff for me. John's baptism by water pointed ahead to the promised baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was going to be fulfilled at Pentecost. John's baptism by water says there's going to be a change in the dispensation period. That things were going to change. Thank God we live in the dispensation period of grace. I'm very thankful that, that God chose to let me be born in this dispensation period that we live un under grace. The, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit says that there, there's been a change in my disposition. That there, there's been a change in me. Everything about me is different. Our baptism is an outward sign of a change that already took place. What John was saying there was there's repentance. They were coming to repentance. They were looking forward to a Christ. And they were coming to the baptism of water by repentance. What we're saying is I've already trusted Christ. I've already been baptized by the Holy Spirit. As I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I've trusted Christ. Our baptism by water is simply the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. It tells the world, hey, I'm a member of the family of God. I am one with Jesus Christ through his blood. I am one with the Father through his Son. I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and it makes us one. Well, I don't know where I'm at in my notes. I'm supposed to be keeping up with this stuff, but I'm lost somewhere in there. John's baptism is linked to repentance. You see, you see the difference? We, we, we are renewed. The, the, this baptism, when we got baptized with water, it, it had nothing to do with our salvation. It, it, was, it was an outward demonstration of our salvation, but it was not part of our salvation. Salvation is not a process, it's a gift. The, the salvation was free. We, we didn't hear about Jesus and go through some little process until we finally got saved. At the moment that the Holy Spirit drew us and we trusted Christ, at that moment we, we were saved. 
chapter 18, what we looked at there was Aquila and Priscilla. They, they took Apollos off to the side and they, they carried him over and, and, and they, they taught him privately. Y'all remember we looked at that a couple weeks ago. They, they didn't call him out up on the stage. They didn't create confusion within the church. They, they, they simply probably carried him to the house. Would have been tradition of the day. Probably fixed a meal for him. Had dinner together. But, but how they did it, they got him off to the side privately. They, they had a conversation. They began to tell him about the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what Paul does with these 12 men. Verse number 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about 12. John Phillips points out the fact that verse number 6 there is an exception to the general teachings of, of Acts. We saw it at Pentecost, and we saw it here. We saw them speak in tongues. You know, we see the Holy Ghost move on people in church services. You see people stand up and worship. That's the Holy Ghost moving. That wasn't the filling of the Holy Spirit, but it was the moving of the Holy Spirit. You, you, we, we've seen it in this church. I, I, down the aisles, across the front, shouting, praising. You, you've seen people, listen, you don't have to have that to be touched by the Holy Spirit. You've seen people sit there and never move, and they're sitting there weeping, sobbing in a church service. The Holy Spirit's done got all over them. That's going to be me. Y'all know me. He starts getting close to me. I'm going to get into crying. That's just the way it is. And so so j just because the Holy Spirit moved on these men doesn't mean that's the moment that, that they were filled. That's just the moment that they were touched. But, but something else that we see it, it is what, what John Phillips says if, is that this were, if this were written in a more contemporary writing form, a more modern-day writing, that this would probably have been a, a footnote. You can't take numbers, verse number 6 and, and take it out singly and use it out of context and make a doctrine out of it. And, and that's what they're trying to do is to make a doctrine out of it by saying you got to pray separately to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These men are Jews. The, the Bible makes it clear. All, all of these men are Jews. When you look back at Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit fell and they spake in tongues, all of those men were Jews. Anywhere you find tongues in this letter, it's referring to Jews. And that's not that big of a deal because tongues were a sign that God used to the Jews. So, so to take it and move it forward, again, is taking it out of context. Three main purposes that we see that I want to say Luke, but really it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit used the hand of Luke to pen Acts. But three main things that he shows us here. In the Acts of the Apostle, the obvious reason for the letter is to show us the course of Christianity. It's the beginning of the church. We see the Christianity come to, to life here. It is the resurrection of Christ. It is the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. It is the beginning of the church at Jerusalem. It, isn't it amazing how God does things? He, Jesus Christ came of the Jews, but he's rejected by his own. His own received him not. And... After they rejected him, and now thank you, thank you that you did, because now the gospel is given to all, which God already knew that was going to happen. God already knew before the foundation of the world it would be that way. So, so that you and I are Gentiles, or, or you know, we are a sheep of another fold. We're, we're that other fold that, that we get brought into the family of God. So I'm very thankful that we're of that, of that other fold. But 
But, but what, what we see <coughs> in the letter that he's writing here, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the beginning of the church, and then the Jew rejects the Messiah, but then God starts the church in the same place that they rejected the Messiah, right there in Jerusalem. Isn't it amazing? See, God's been just as long-suffering with us. God's been just as patient with us. God's been just as good to us, giving just as many chances. But he comes right back to the source of where they reject him, and he starts the church there. So we see that in the, in the Acts of the Apostles here. Number two, something that we see would come really, they, they teach it in Christian apologetics. But, but Luke is confronting the charge that Christianity, the Jews claimed that Christianity was, was an illegal religion. They claimed that it was something against their God, and they called it an illegal religion, and they, they tried to stamp it out. That's why all throughout, you see all of the preachers, if you will, all of the Christian leaders, you see them brought to trial often, all throughout the Scriptures, but especially, especially here in the Acts of the Apostles. A third reason would be to maybe identify the apostles themselves. Paul is not one of the original twelve, obviously, but... He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, of all of the apostles. So if we didn't have the book of Acts, I assume we would still have the 13 letters written to the church by the apostle Paul. If you want to create a Hebrew to me and call it 14, I personally don't. Some do. But we know we have 13 letters written to the church by the apostle Paul. If we didn't have the Acts of the Apostles, then, then we would probably still have the 13 letters we just wouldn't have as good of an understanding about the author. We, we wouldn't have the understanding that we have about the Apostle Paul from, from someone else's view, the way the Holy Spirit used Luke to, to write this. Because, you know, we know Paul was Saul. We learned that. He was a religious leader. He despised the teaching of Jesus Christ. He despised the church. It was, it was his life mission to get rid of the church. To stamp out the name of Jesus Christ. That it never be said again. After, after his conversion. For most of the rest of his life. The, the Jews that stayed on that side. They hated him. He was a traitor. He, he went over to the side of Christianity. <clears throat> so Paul's kind of in a, in a lost ground. Because in all honesty. Many of the Christians. Never really fully trusted him. Many of them always had some doubt. I'm not saying all did. But many, because of what he did, you know, they feared. When he, You find in the Scriptures, when Paul would come, they would fear because they knew about Saul. And, and they, they didn't yet know, know the Apostle Paul. Paul made it clear who he is, 2 Corinthians, what he really did several times. If I just read one passage to you, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Listen, that's what all of us are, by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is according with all the saints, which are at Achaia, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it didn't matter what anyone else thought about the apostle Paul. Paul knew who he was. Paul knew that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that he was called into service on the road to Damascus. It doesn't matter what the world thinks about you. You know who you are. You know when you're washed in the blood. You know you're a child of the king. You know what your mission is. You know that Christ has put us here to tell the world we have been saved for a reason. Not just to get to go to heaven. But to tell the lost 
so that we can take as many with us as we can. So, so, so Paul, he has this conversation with these 12 men, and then he takes his newfound friends. Man, how did I run out of time so fast? And it says, he went to the synagogue, in verse number 8, and he spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. He preached the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was promised to the Jew throughout the Old Testament. It was sent to the Jew, but they rejected the king, and they rejected the kingdom. The kingdom is centered around the king, the one, you know, the one who came, the one who gave his life so that we might have life. The kingdom was centered around the king. They rejected it. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. And he answered and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. By rejecting the king, the Jews effectively rejected the kingdom. Verse number 9, it says that he was in the synagogue. That, that he taught for three months. But then it says that they, they were hardened. And they believed not, but they spake evil of that way before the multitude. He departed from them and separated the, the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. <clears throat> Remember, Paul has already preached at the synagogue before. He, he was already here before he got ran out of town. He, he's already put out some seed. Remember Acts chapter 18, it's been a few weeks back, verse number 6. They opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said to them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth. I will go upon the Gentiles. But the scripture said, But Crispus, one of the chief rulers of the synagogue, believed. So there's a foothold in the synagogue. There were some Christians there. There was a church left behind. Some people who believed in Christ. So this time, labeled for three months in Consider longer than any of the other times that we He always goes to the first when he gets there to common grounds. <clears throat> but this time he's there for three months. But th this time maybe some reasons as to why he could have stayed a little bit longer. One, I don't know. Maybe it's because they've already met him. That, that's probably not it. What it probably is that when Paul was there, Paul planted some seeds. And, and Aquila and Priscilla... They've been tending those seeds. And Apollos came, and he watered the seed. And this time when Paul's come back around, that those seed have been tended, and, and the harvest is ripe. See, not every seed that Paul planted when he was there fell on good ground, right? The Scriptures tell us that. Some fell on stony grounds, and the birds took them away. Some, some fell among the, the weeds and the thorns, the thistles, and, and they were choked out. But some of them fell on good ground. And that's the ones you go back to. That's where the harvest is at. So, so Paul is capitalizing on these seeds. After three months, it says that the ones, maybe that the seed had fallen on hard ground, it says that, that their hearts were hardened. That's the same word used in Genesis. Well, it comes from the same word. Obviously, that was a Hebrew word. It comes from the same word when it talks about that hardening of the heart. When Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he wouldn't let God's people go, it comes from the same word. It comes from the origin of the same word when, when the children of Israel got to the promised land and their heart was hardened by their lack of faith because they didn't believe and they weren't allowed to go into the promised land. And that entire generation died in the wilderness. They were not allowed to go in. Their children went in, but it was because of hardened. See, that, that's what he's talking about there, in the hardness of their heart. We live in a world today, I'm afraid there's a lot of people who are there. 
We live in a world today that there seems to be a lot of hardened hearts. You know what I'm talking about? People at the stores, people at the gas stations, people you work with, people in schools, people around there. There seems to be a lot of hardened hearts. Doesn't change our job. And if, if we do our part, if we do our part, I can tell you my heart was hardened. Anybody's heart hardened when you got saved? I'd heard all I wanted to hear. But the Holy Spirit knows how to soften a heart, don't he? The, the Holy Spirit knows how, how to break some, some hard things. So our job is the same. Our job is to just keep telling them, well, I'm going I'm to have to stop. We'll stop right here at verse number 10. It's continued by the space of two years. All they which dwelt at Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So, so Lord willing, we'll, um, we'll pick up right here. It'll be in 2023. One, one of the things... I'll leave you on this. This, this, will be, this will be really good. So we we'll have two weeks off. This will be giving me something good for us to finish on. Y'all remember when, it, let me read that again. Look right there what it says at the end of verse number 10. All they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Y'all see that? So, so here's what we'll leave with before we go get our youngins go home. Remember when Paul started out on his second missionary journey? And he wanted to go into a city and preach, and the Lord forbade him. And he wanted to go into the next city and preach, and the Lord forbade him. And then he saw many lost, and he wanted to go into a city and preach, and the Lord forbade him. Y'all remember that? We, we looked at that in detail, that the Lord forbade him to preach. And he had to been thinking, there's lost people there. There's people dying going to hell, Lord. Why can't I preach there? But what we saw was that the Lord had a mission, and it was to get him to Asia. Because Asia is the hub to the world. And what we find out, and you even see it here, is that by getting to Asia, the gospel went around the world. Had he gone to these little cities, it might have not ever spread that way. So by following the guidance of the Holy Spirit and not stopping for one... God got him to there, but by the time we get over here, it says that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. It is important to follow the guiding of the Holy Spirit. That's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, to lead, guide, and direct us, to help us. It, it is that guidance. When, when the Lord says, go, go. When the Holy Spirit says, don't stop there, don't stop there. Matter of fact, Nathan did a great job of illustrating the other day. I take a step and I pray. God says, go, you go. I take a step and God says, no, you go back, right? That's called following the guidance of the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice. Well, I, I, I'm almost warmed up. I'll have my voice back in a minute, and I'm just about getting ready to preach. And they're going to be waiting on us to get some kids. So we're going we're gonna to have to pray. So that's what happens when y'all don't let me preach on a Sunday morning. I have too much time to study and too many things I want to share. God, thank you so much. God, I thank you for this precious book, God, this love letter that you gave to us, Father, to, to teach us, to guide us, to mold us, to shape us, to help us, God, to give us understanding, to give us wisdom, Father. Lord, thank you for this book. Thank you, Father, that we are called your children. Thank you for loving us, God. Thank you so much for meeting with us, Father. I pray you'd help us as we go out, Father. Fill us with your word. Lord, fill us, Lord, that, that our life would be a testimony that people might see Christ in us in all that we do. We love you, God. We just want to live a life pleasing to you. Thank you so much for being so good. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said.